Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. Had I the heavens embroidered cloths and wrought with golden and silver light, the blue and the dim and the dark cloths of night and light and the half-light, I would spread the cloths under your feet. But I, being poor, have only my dreams. I have spread my dreams under your feet. Tread softly, because you tread on my dreams. He Wishes for the Cloths of Heaven by W.B. Yeats Hello and welcome back to Born of Wonder. I'm Katie Marquette and on this podcast we explore anything and everything that inspires wonder and awe in the world. Happy St. Patrick's Day week. We are going to be celebrating all things Irish today. I'm going to be including all kinds of fun fiddle music. We're going to uh, explore some of the famous voyage stories uh, from Irish myth and legend, and then especially a great saint story about St. Brendan the Navigator, which really encapsulates the the epitome of um, an Irish voyage story, with the exception that unlike many uh, Irish myths of old, St. Brendan returns to the earthly realm to share what he has learned from arriving in the land of promise, which uh, is also known, you know, maybe as Avalon or Tiernanug, the land of perpetual youth in uh, in Irish mythology. Uh, St. Brendan finds his own sort of Garden of Eden on this wild, wild adventure he goes on uh, through, through the oceans and finally arriving there in paradise uh, and taking back what he has learned to the monks and to the Irish people as a whole. Uh, so yes, so happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, luck of the Irish to you. And I'm so happy to be back here. Right now, I am sitting here looking at two baby monitors with, uh, well, one's almost asleep and one is asleep. And if you have more than one kid, you know what a sacred time this is <laughs> and what a rare time with a seven-week-old um, little Lucia Joan was born uh January 21st. Uh, thanks be to God, healthy baby girl. Um, we are so thrilled with her. We are loving getting to know her and seeing how different she is from her sister already. Um, she has dark hair. Joe was bald when she was born. <laughs> Lucy uh, is much more serious, but when she gives you a smile, it is the most beautiful big smile. So when you when you get it, you really feel like you earned it. Um, so I'm just so excited to see these little girls grow up together. But um, definitely been an adjustment. Uh, had its moment. Had has has had its moments its moments of uh you know sheer chaos and its moments of just like sheer amazement that we we have these two little girls so thank you so much for your prayers and thoughts and everything like that and um uh in light of the fact that i that i I am still uh working out my life with 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 two kids and with a newborn i will be changing my publishing schedule for born of wonder i'm only going to be doing two episodes a month but i'm really going to try to make them count and um in that quote unquote extra time i don't know how much extra time there is in reality um i'm devoting to writing uh which i have 
totally neglected in the past year. I did not write a single essay or blog post, and I want that to change in 2023. I'll tell you more about that later, um, but I want to get right into into this episode today. Um, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, as I said, Born of Wonder is all about rediscovering uh, wonder and awe in the world, sort of Anna and Shirley, Anne of Green Gables style. Um, we are going to just try to look at the world as an enchanted place. Uh, if you want to understand sort of the my theological thoughts behind that idea, you can go back and listen to the sacramental imagination. Uh, I think that explains it a lot. And if you want some more Irish, uh, Irish stories, um, I go into some of the history of St. Patrick and I tell you about some great Selkie stories and other things like that. Um, back in episode, let me see what it was. It was season one, episode nine. You can listen to Celtic Otherworld, St. Patrick and Selkies. Uh, you can also go back to season three, episode nine, um, Into the Land of Fairy. And in that episode, I uh, talk all about Yeats, um, who I quoted here at the beginning of the episode, uh, one of his more famous poems. I actually think as a poem as a whole, it's not that great, but it has that beautiful last line. I have spread my dreams under your feet, tread softly because you tread on my dreams. It's just beautiful. Clearly this poet, he wants to give his lover the world. He wants to give her the dark claws of night and all the beautiful things in the heaven, but he's poor and all he can give her are his dreams. So that's the beautiful sentiment there. Uh, Yeats is is so romantic, you know, he's just wonderful. So if you go back um, into that uh, episode, Into the Land of Fairy, you'll get to hear my husband, Chris, um, reciting another wonderfully romantic Yeats poem called When You Are Old. So uh, you can listen to that and hear me play some fiddle music on that episode uh, and also just learn some some stories about some mischievous fairies in the hills. So if you want to learn more about that, uh, there are episodes focusing on that. But like I said today, uh, we're going to be going into some of the voyage stories uh, about about going into the West and this whole idea of sailing into the West. Maybe you've heard it. uh, Maybe you recognize it from Middle Earth, right? Uh, Tolkien certainly took to this idea. The Blessed Realms, the fictional location in J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, Legendarium, the home of the immortal Valar. Valar. Um, that is, that's the the place to the far west of Middle Earth, and of course, it's where the elves are leaving to, and where Frodo and Gandalf uh, leave uh, along with Galadriel and the other elves at the end of uh, Return of the King. Um, and in that realm is also Eldamar, the land of the elves, um, who, because they're immortals, they can stay with the Valinor and the Valinor are sort of like the archangels. Uh, so if you've read the Silmarillion, you may still not understand all this. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) I'm definitely referencing some things I looked up online. Also, sorry if you hear some white noise and some toddler, um, talking she she's really she'll she'll stay in there pretty contentedly um even if she's not napping right away but she does uh she she chats a lot to herself so um but much to my delight she wants to take my collection of Anne of Green Gables into bed with her (laughs) you know these are big chapter books and she'll just sort them by their title and be looking through them anyway total side note you'll have to deal with my sort of flighty um postpartum mind here but anyway uh so into the west um 
associated with um, with heaven, basically, um, with this this sort of mystical idea is not anything new, and it appears in a lot of other traditions as well. In Chinese Buddhism, the West represents movement toward the Buddha or enlightenment. Um, the ancient Aztecs believed that the West was the realm of the great goddess of water, mist, and maize, corn. In ancient Egypt, the West was considered to be a portal to the netherworld, uh, so not necessarily a good thing, but certainly the land of uh, immortality. Um, <laughs> I'm going to need to pause here, and I will come back to this later, because one of the babies is waking up. Yep, there we go. Okay, so um, this is life. This is this is the culture of life uh, podcast here, but it will it will seem seamless to you, right? So I'll be back as soon as I can. And we're back. A little fiddle intram there. Uh, I told you I was going to play a lot of fiddle music. I didn't tell you why. <laughs> I didn't tell you it was because this, <laughs> this episode would be interrupted 80 times. Um, you should see how I'm recording this right now. Maybe I'll post a picture on, um, on Patreon so you all can see. I've got little baby Lucy on me. I'm rocking here and I'm holding my mic. <laughs> um, so as I was saying, um, the idea of the West being the other world is not uh, a new idea. Um, actually, in Judaism, the West is seen uh, to be the the direction of the presence of God. Um, as in Jewish history, the tabernacle and the Jewish temple faced east with God's presence in the Holy of Holies up in the steps to the west. The Israelites also crossed the River Jordan uh, westward into the Promised Land uh, and Islam. When you're in India, people pray facing the west in respect to Mecca. Um, of course, that's not true uh, everywhere for all Muslims, right? That's just uh, in India. And um, even in American literature, let's look at The Great Gatsby. Um, moving West symbolized freedom. Um, you don't even have to look at just The Great Gatsby, but what about just sort of the American imagination, right? That um, that go West, young man, right? That that is the direction of freedom and promise and plenty, uh, this sort of romanticization of going west. So there's a huge tradition in Irish literature of heading west into the land of promise. I'm totally saying it wrong. I've heard it many different ways. Tirnanog, Tirnanug, it's the land of eternal youth, um, sort of, you know, Valhalla-like. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, this land of myth and legend and hunting and plenty, and uh, it's paradise, basically. It's paradise. Um, not quite clear if it's heaven because you can reach it uh, while you're still alive often by um, journeying uh, through maybe a, a burial mound though or something like that um, or a cave mist under the water um, there are stories about traveling across the sea for three days on an enchanted boat or not or on an enchanted horse so this this is all in the tradition of um, Imram um, voyage tales so again this is a big part of Irish literature. Um, 
side note, I do think it's interesting. We just talked about Tolkien and how he clearly, you know, took the idea of the West. Uh, C.S. Lewis did not. Uh, if you read The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, he has the East being the sacred direction leading to Aslan's country. So not universal, but it is always really interesting to sort of see uh, these symbols pop up in various uh, religions and traditions and uh, throughout literature and things like that. Something interesting that we'll see uh, come up in the story of St. Brendan uh, is that there is, in many of these tales about, uh, in, in Irish mythology and literature, there's an enormous tree at the center of the island. And again, if we're thinking of this as an Eden-like place, I think it's very interesting that a tree is showing up. Uh, and birds sing beautiful music in its branches and uh, are often stated to be the ectre and sorry for my pronunciation, um, to be the souls of the dead. So I think that's really, really interesting. So what about this famous voyage, the voyage of St. Brendan? And who is St. Brendan after all? St. Brendan the Navigator. So St. Brendan is said to have been born around 484, died around 577. So he's born around the time uh, that St. Patrick died, uh, is, is said to have died. There are various dates given, of course, for St. Patrick's death. Um, but uh, basically, you know, 461, um, they say that could be one. 492 is another, uh, even 432. So, it, you know, in that range, though. So they're they, they're like um, passing ships, basically. Brendan is born right when Patrick dies. So he's very much in the, you know, there's this is a new culture of Christianity in Ireland, and, um, and he's a big part of that. He's referred to, as I said, Brendan the Navigator, Brendan the Voyager, Brendan the Anchorite, and I love this one, Brendan the Bold. So yeah, you do have to be bold to just set out on this journey like he did. Um, into to finding the Isle of the Blessed, uh, which is sometimes now referred to as St. Brendan's Island, a uh, legendary voyage he went on. His feast day is May 16th, celebrated by Catholics, Anglicans, and Orthodox Christians. But of course, it's a- appropriate to talk about him now this week, too, when we are sort of celebrating uh, Irish culture and heritage around the world. And of course, traditionally, St. Patrick's Day uh, was not just about having as much Guinness as you could, but about recognizing and celebrating um, the entrance of Christianity into into Ireland uh, uh, by St. Patrick. So that's, that is what we're celebrating. So, And St. Brendan was a big part of that. So... Um, the, the, the voyage of St. Brendan the Abbot um, dates around the 8th century, um, and in that story, Brendan sets out west across the sea with over a de- dozen fellow monks, and on their voyage, they discover many lands, meeting um, a sort of crazy variety of people and creatures, sort of a Odysseus-style journey here. Um, it, it was, you know, like many of these texts for medieval readers, the, the accurate you know, historical record of this, of this voyage was much less important than its spiritual, uh, s- spiritual import, what, what it represented to people. And it certainly fell into this known genre that I've been talking about of Celtic literature, the Imram, the voyage tale. Uh, and so to have, um, to have a Christian saint partake in this, uh, classic Celtic voyage was certainly, uh, symbolic, uh, as he heads west to an Eden-like paradise. If you would like to read uh, the the entire Voyage of St. Brendan for yourself, uh, I will link it in the show notes. There's a translation I found from 1893 that is available online. So um, 
<laughs> it's a rollicking tale and it's long. Uh, so at first I was like, maybe I'll I'll read a significant portion of this. And I looked at it and I realized it was, you know, 20 some pages or something. And uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you don't want to listen to it. I don't want to read it. So I'm just going to give you some of the highlights of this this voyage. And I will quote a bit from the translation. So, um, so he's basically, he has this vision that he's meant, meant to go out, right. And, uh, and find this Isle of the blessed and, uh, and, and gain spiritual insight by doing that. So he ultimately, uh, finds 14 fellow monks and he goes on a journey to find the land of the saints. So I'll quote a little bit here. When they had sailed round the island for three days, they descried on the third day, about the hour of nine, a small cove where the boat could enter, and St. Brendan forthwith arose in blessing this landing, place where the rocks stood on every side of wonderful steepness like a wall. When all had disembarked and stood upon the beach, St. Brandon directed them to remove nothing from the boat, and then there appeared a dog approaching from a bypath who came to fawn upon the saint, as dogs are wont to fawn upon their masters. Has not the Lord, said St. Brendan, sent us a godly messenger? Let us follow him. And the brethren followed the dog until they came to a large mansion, in which they found a spacious hall laid out with couches and seats and water for washing their feet. When they had taken some rest, St. Brendan warned them thus, Beware lest Satan lead you into temptation, for I can see him urging one of the three monks who followed after us from the monastery to a wicked theft. Pray you for his soul, for his flesh is in Satan's power." The mansion where they abode had its walls hung around with vessels made of various metals with bridle bits and horns inlaid with silver. So that's a quote there from the translation. And what ends up happening that night is that sort of this uh, dark figure appears, this sort of dark, threatening child demon. Um, and St. Brendan, he, uh, he sees that he's possessed one of the monks. So one of the monks steals one of these um, beautiful, ornate vessels uh, that, that the hall is, is uh, adorned with. And in the morning, uh, St. Brendan calls him out on it, and he casts out uh, this demon from, from the monk's soul, who apparently had been there for quite some time. And uh, ultimately, that monk dies, but dies in a state of grace. So that's one of the, one of the adventures that happens there. The next, uh, <laughs> the next uh, place they go is they find this sheep, sheep island, basically. And again, I'm thinking of Odysseus here um, uh, and the Cyclops, right? But so they find an island that is just an abundance of sheep, just like the whole island is white with sheep. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And there St. Brendan says to the brethren, let us here perform the divine office and sacrifice unto the Lamb of God without spot. For this day is the festival of the Lord's Supper. And they remain there until Easter Sunday, Saturday, Easter Saturday. So this is a great, uh, this is a great Lenten read, actually, because they're journeying during Lent. And then the great Easter feast, this is maybe my, my favorite part, uh, because they celebrate Easter Mass in a very interesting location. So again, I'll be reading here from the translation. When they drew nigh to the nearest island, the boat stopped ere they reached a landing place. And the saint ordered the brethren to get out into the sea and make the vessel fast, stem and stern, until they came to some harbor. There was no grass on the island, very little wood, and no sand on the shore. When the brethren spent the night in prayer outside the vessel, the saint remained in, in it, for he knew well what manner of island this was. But he wished not to tell the brethren, lest they might be too much afraid. 
When morning dawned, he bade the priests to celebrate Mass, and after they had done so, and he himself had said Mass in the boat, the brethren took out some uncooked meat and fish they brought from the other island. And they placed more fuel on the fire, and the cauldron began to boil. And then the island moved about like a wave, whereupon they all rushed toward the boat and implored the protection of their father, who, taking each one by the hand, drew them all into the vessel. Then, relinquishing what they had removed to the island, they cast their boat loose to sail away when the island at once sunk into the ocean. Afterward, they could see the fire they had kindled still burning more than two miles off. And then Brendan explained the occurrence. Brethren, you wonder at what has happened on this island. Yes, father, said they, we wondered and were seized with a great fear. Fear not, my children, said the saint, for God has last night revealed to me the mystery of all this. It was not an island you were upon, but a fish, the largest of all that swim in the ocean, which is ever trying to make its head and tail meet, but cannot succeed because of its great length. Its name is Jaconius. So I just love that, you know, they're celebrating mass and they're doing so on the back of a large fish <laughs> or whale. Um, and ultimately, you know, this whole this whole voyage um, takes uh, takes years and years. Right. And they keep circling around and around and around and they never find this Isle of the Blessed. Um, but each year they do come back and celebrate Easter mass on the back of Jaconius, on the back of this great fish. Uh, so that's an interesting Easter tradition there. <laughs> I don't know how you could incorporate that into your um, your liturgical living. I don't know. Um, I did also want to read about um, when they did arrive on on sort of the uh, the accessible side of the uh, the the Paradise Island. Um, there's a great river that divides it, basically um, that 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 the living cannot cross. But when they arrive on the island, remember how I mentioned there was a tree in um, in many of the in many of the Celtic myth stories. So um, there's a tree here as well, uh, and it's described like this: a large tree of marvelous width, but no great height, covered over with snow white birds, so that they hid its boughs and leaves entirely. When the man of God saw this, he was considering with himself why this immense number of birds were thus brought together in one assemblage. And the question grew so irksome to him that he with tears besought the Lord on his bended knees thus, O God, who knowest what is unknown and revealest what is hidden, thou seest the anxious distress of my heart. Therefore I beseech thee that thou wouldst vouchsafe in thy great mercy, reveal, to the, reveal thy secret in what I see here before me. Not for any desert of my own worthiness, but solely in regard to thy clemency do I presume to ask this favor. Thereupon one of the birds flew up the tree, and in his flight his wings had a tinkling sound like little bells, over to the boat where the man of God was seated. And perching on the prow, it spread its wings in token of gladness, and looked complacently toward St. Brendan. Then the man of God, understanding from this that his prayer was granted, addressed the bird. If you are a messenger from God... Tell me whence those birds come and why this concourse of them here. The bird at once made answer. We are partakers in the great ruin of the ancient enemy, having fallen not by sin of our will or consent, but soon after our creation, our ruin resulted from the fall of Lucifer and his followers. The Almighty God, however, who is righteous and true, has doomed us to this place where we suffer no pain and where we can partially see the divine presence, but must remain apart from the spirits who stood faithful. We wander about the world in the air and earth and sky, like the other spirits in their missions. But on festival days, we take the shapes you see, abide here, and sing the praises of our Creator. When it had spoken thus, the bird arose from the prow of the vessel and flew back to the other birds. 
So again, this certainly mimics the idea of this, this tree with birds and the birds being the souls of the dead. Um, it also reminds me of in um, Hans Christian Andersen's original telling of The Little Mermaid, how uh, sort of the Little Mermaid's reward for her great sacrifice is that she becomes an air nymph um, and has the possibility of achieving salvation someday, whereas mermaids uh, don't. They, they, they cannot gain immortality. It's an amazing story, the original Little Mermaid. I recommend you read it. You can also go uh, on my episode in praise of the not-so-happy ending. I uh, recount that story, so you can listen to it there. But um, in any case, uh, what ends up happening is after seven years, St. Brendan finally does reach the land of land of promise of the saints and uh, meets um, meets a young man there who basically tells him to, to take what he has learned um, and the beauty that he has seen and to go back uh, and, and, and spread the word, spread the gospel, spread the good news, talk about this Eden-like place and to spread the message of Christianity in Ireland. So I think this is a great adventure story, and um, I just, you know, quoted a few of the incidents. There are lots of people he meets along the way and creatures he meets along the way, but I love that one of um, God's messengers is a dog. That's the first one he meets. I love this image of them celebrating divine mass on top of a giant fish, uh, this this idea of a bird, the bird tree, a tree so full of white birds that end up being these sort of... Um, spirits in purgatory, um, tinkling like bells in the wind. Um, these are really beautiful, arresting images. So I hope they've inspired you. Um, this is just, of course, an introduction to this wonderful story. Um, and and again, it's part of a huge genre of Celtic literature, the, the great voyage story. Um, and uh, and again, you can go back and listen to my episode on St. Patrick where I talk about O'Sheen and his, his journey into the land of youth and how he tries to return, uh, sort of like Rip Van Winkle, and uh, realizes that he, um, he has stayed away too long. It's been 300 years, not three years, like he thought, and everything has changed. Um, but he does end up meeting St. Patrick and having some interesting conversations. So that's another great story. There's so many, there's so, so many. So I'm glad I could at least um, highlight this one here. So I wish you a very, very um, happy St. Patrick's Day week. Um, I'm glad to be back podcasting. Uh, thank you in advance for the patience uh, with with this episode and with um, upcoming episodes um, with the little ones. Uh, this is this is just how it is for a little while, you know. You know how it is. So um, if you go back, I, mean, I know I'm recommending a lot of backlog episodes here, but just they seem relevant. So if you listen to uh, what uh, what does it mean to be human, uh, that was one I recorded when Jojo was quite little and I was <laughs> like walking around the house with a recorder and just every now and then when she would occupy herself for five minutes, I'd be like, oh good, I can get in five minutes of recording here. Um, so, so there you go. Um, I also wanted to recommend, um, I've recommended her podcast before, um, the Gem Fuller podcast. Um, it's uh, her latest one. She talks about um, sort of in your personality. She defines these two terms about whether you're a driver or a nester. I found them very interesting terms. And I feel like I'm a nester with some driver tendencies. Uh, so interesting to think about what you are there. I'm going to offer my uh, my sort of personality quiz for you this week. Um, the, the thematically relevant is uh, Yates and others classified fairies, uh, you know, Irish fairies, into different different classifications of of types of fairies, and there are 
trooping fairies and solitary fairies. And trooping fairies are sort of party animal mischievous fairies. Solitary fairies include the leprechaun, the banshee, um, and the selkies and everything like that. And they are um, they're a little more untrustworthy, but they don't partake in these large groups. So I guess they're sort of introverted fairies and extroverted fairies. <laughs> so, um, you can ask your friends and decide for yourself whether you are a solitary fairy or a trooping fairy. That can be your St. Patrick's week, uh, quiz for you. Thank you so much for listening. I am, as I, as I said in the beginning, I'm, um, a goal for, for myself that I set this year was to write more, um, and one of the ways that I am ensuring that I do that is that I started a Substack. I love Substack as as just a platform, um, as a consumer, as a way um, to to stay in touch with people that I follow. Um, it's you know I'm off Instagram for Lent and. I get on Substack a fair amount of time, but I feel like it's a it's a much more productive way of scrolling because I'm actually reading long form articles and um, you know and supporting people by doing it, whether as a free subscriber or a paid subscriber, just by sharing their work and liking it and engaging with it. And um, this is one of the the, be- the best things the internet has to offer, right, is for creators to sort of take control of their work and engage directly with their audience. So I highly recommend downloading the Substack app. Um, and while you're on there, you can find me, Born of Wonder. Um, I have a, pay- a paid option, but I also have a free newsletter I'm going to be sending out at least once a month with an essay and recommendations uh, for books and articles and music and all kinds of things like that. Uh, So you can sign up there. Um, The cheapest option Substack allows you to do is $5 a month. So that's what I've set my my pay grade option to. And um, I'll be sending out at least two essays a month, um, longer form essays, uh, you know, on, on topics of art and theology and personal reflections and things that I hope will be thought provoking for you. Um, and it also force me to have a deadline, which is really the whole point of this is I need accountability. And of course, I need support to do this. Of course, none of this is free. Time isn't free. Um, you know, nothing, all this equipment, things like that, nothing, nothing's free. So um, of course, you know, the monetary aspect is beyond helpful in many ways. But the deadline part of having um, being accountable to an audience is uh, has already helped me. I've already written one essay. I wrote about the wisdom of 40 days. You can go read that. Um, I link it to Lent and Postpartum and... Um, yeah, so that that's already out there. And I'm also going to, for f- paid subscribers, um, I'm going to be releasing a, you know, five to 10 minute mini podcast episode um, once a month, uh, in addition to these two, you know, normal Born of Wonder uh, episodes. And it'll be like a uh, featuring poetry and music and, um, you know, nature sounds, things like that. I sort of had a vision of doing something like this when I first started this podcast of doing something really interesting audio wise, where you'd put on your headphones and be sort of immersed in some other world. So that's my goal, uh, with that. So, um, that will also be out for paid subscribers, Patreon supporters. I have not forgotten you. You all are so valuable to me. I am keeping the Patreon community going. Um, I'm just sort of thinking of Patreon as like the tip jar option um, because it's only $2 a month and it's truly so helpful. It really, really is. And I appreciate every single one of you who have become a patron. And when you become a patron, I will happily send you a handwritten letter. Uh, Thank you. Um, You also get sort of um, personal updates that I don't share anywhere else. I shared Lucy's birth story to my patrons. Um, If that's something you like to read, I love to read birth stories. So I shared that on Patreon. Um, and so I'll keep that community going. A few patrons mentioned to me that when I talked about switching to Substack, they asked, 
you know, wanted to continue to support the podcast, but that $5 a month was a little too, you know, a little too steep, which I totally understand. Um, so Patreon is still there and I still am, you know, very engaged with that. So, and will continue to, to be. So um, thank you, patrons. Thank you, future patrons. Um, I will put the links to all these things in, uh, in the show notes, along with um, everything I talked about today. So um, can you hear Lucy cooing a little bit? She's just started talking a little bit. <laughs> honey um so uh i hope you enjoyed this episode i'm really really looking forward to being back um this is keeping my mind engaged it's keeping me going so (laughs) i really appreciate you listening and i'm very very excited for this season so uh have very happy saint patrick's day i wish you many uh well an appropriate amount of guinness uh irish whiskey maybe um some corned beef and cabbage uh, I don't know what else you like to eat. Some Irish stew. I love to make a good stew. So um, maybe I'll do that this week. Some good proper Irish stew. Uh, wear green. Otherwise, you're going to get pinched. I talk about why that happens back in that St. Patrick's episode too. <laughs> um, has to do with leprechauns, as I remember. I hope you're having a productive Lent. I don't want to say a happy Lent, <laughs> even though we all say that often. Um, but yeah, I hope that it's, it's uh, you know, soul stirring in all the right ways. Um, some recommendations here. I do want to recommend um, my friend Rachel Sherlock's podcast. Her latest episode is all about St. Patrick and um, Irish myths and legends and St. Bridget's Day, which is now a bank holiday this year, as of this year in Ireland, which I didn't know. And she and her guests really go into sort of the complications of celebrating Christian feast days in a post-Christian world. So look up Risking Enchantment, their latest episode um, all about the Celtic myths um, and saints was and miracles. Uh, really, really, really interesting. Really well done. I hope Rachel can come back on soon. Uh, I don't know if I ever promoted on the podcast, but I did go on Risking Enchantment and talked all about the Godfather with her. Um, so you can find that episode. You can also listen to the episode I did with her about Nora Ephron and You've Got Mail. Um, back in the Born of Wonder archives. So new season, here we go. Um, I think it's only, what, like 20 days left in Lent, and then we'll be Easter Sunday, spring, all good things. Uh, So cheers, slancha, and all that. Thank you for listening. I'm Katie Marquette, and this is Born of Wonder. Here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing.